Wearing its emotions on its sleeve, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A podcast that seems to have sprung from the twilight zone. And now, angrier than a Canadian trucker, it's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's a very cool as a cucumber, Doug Jones, coming to you from the Fortress of Solitude in Cave Creek, Arizona, on a bright, sunny, warm, maybe almost hot Arizona morning. Uh, you expected me to coming to be coming to you from Randy's uh, uh, Guinness Emporium in his uh, garage in Cave Creek, and it turns out that the weather has brought Randy to his knees. He has uh, succumbed to the uh, onslaught of a summer morning in Arizona. And he's decided that even with his new fashionably short haircut, he's going to be too uncomfortable podcasting in the garage, even with a uh, Guinness in his fist. And so we have uh, canceled our plans or at least postponed our plans to have a remote podcast episode. So as Drew McMillan, my Canadian nephew probably told you, I'm guessing he did. He's always very thorough with his uh, responsibilities. I am Doug Jones, your Medicare expert, and uh, I am coming to you in the hopes that uh, something I say somewhere along the line is going to make you feel very confident about your eventual transition from Obamacare to Medicare. It's a transition that most people find is quite satisfactory, although it induces some fear and trepidation early on because it seems so complicated and it seems as though it's a like falling off a cliff. But in reality, it's health insurance and you're basically changing from one type of health insurance to another type of health insurance. And in many, many cases, you're going to find it's a higher level of protection for a smaller amount of premium dollars that you have to spend. And ultimately, it is not a burden to most people. In fact, it's almost never a, an economic burden to anybody. So how do I know all of this? Well, I gathered all my thoughts together a few years ago, sat down and wrote a book called Medicare for the Lazy Man. How did I get that title? I looked in the mirror, okay? And uh, Medicare for the Lazy Man is my paperback, my hardcover, my audible book, audio, or my uh, my Kindle, my ebook, and all of those are on sale at Amazon.com. So if you go to Amazon.com and search for Medicare for the Lazy Man, you'll find the 2022 edition staring you in the face. I had a little trouble earlier in the year had to deal with some family responsibilities and I did not get this new 2022 edition published until March. And I just saw an envelope from the uh, library of Congress. I believe it has finally been copyrighted. It's amazing how long it takes to get a book copyrighted. It's not a quick process. I'm guessing they do it the same way they did it back in the 1700s. But in any event, the book is there. It was uh, newly published late in March, I believe, and it is waiting for you to take advantage of the ease with which Medicare can be understood. 
And that's why I do this podcast. That's why Randy Carson helps me with this podcast. But I ask Randy to wait until he has played the 30-second radio spot that we do every once in a while. And I only hear that spot when I clam up. So I'm clamming up right now. Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate it. Would you join us here in the inner sanctum of the uh, Fortress of Solitude, please? Yes, yes. I I would be glad to do that, Doug. It's always a and pleasure. You know, the one, oh, it's always a pleasure. And just one thing I wanted to mention to the audience about the Fortress of Solitude is it, it is just like a castle. And I don't know if you have actually actually know this, but when you're in a castle in Europe, and you go up, there's always a spiral staircase to get up to the next floor. And you know what? Now, here is, this is not really a stump the insurance expert question, but I'm just curious if you know why all spiral staircases and castles spiral up to the right. I'm guessing it's because most humans are right-handed and they wanted to be able to defend against attacks if the attackers were coming up the stairs, kind of like in the the movie Robin Hood. Yes, yeah, you're exactly right. So because, oh, cool. Because most humans, or at least I don't know whether they were all right-handed back in the day, but I think they they wore swords as though they were. So it's hard to walk up a spiral staircase that spirals up and to the right and whack anybody with a sword. Yeah, that sounds uh, reasonable. And frankly, I believe that's just a hereditary trait that has not changed over the millennia. But uh, the the uh, most memorable sword fighting scene on a stairway that I can recall is uh, in the Errol Flynn movie, The Adventures of Robin Hood, which as yeah. a kid, I just I was glued to that thing. The music was great. The babes were good looking and uh, the action was great, too. But I can't tell you right now whether that famous stairway sword fighting scene was the direction you described, I just can't remember right now. Uh, but when I picture a castle keep and the stairways that lead up to it, I'm always picturing a uh, counterclockwise. If you're going up those stairs, you're moving in a counterclockwise direction. Is that correct? Uh, no, it would be if you were moving <laughs> up from the bottom to the top, you would be moving in a clockwise direction. Oh, okay. Well, see, I can't even <laughs> I can't even get it right, much less <laughs> concern myself with how the movie, how accurate the movie because was. Because that that way, you're if you're if you're uh, using your sword with your right hand, uh -huh. and your right hand and your sword, you you really can't even get anything done with your sword because it's pressed up against the wall. Okay, that's right. Um, would that be the case either way? If you're inside the circular space that's vertical, the stairway would be on the outer wall and you'd be curving around with your right arm next to the wall, your left arm hanging over the, you know, the stairway that has no railing. Uh, would that impede you from uh, effective sword fighting in the same way? Uh, it impedes. It impedes the people coming up from the bottom. It gives a huge advantage to the people coming down. Okay, there you go. So if, you're, if your round uh, construction 
if your stairway is on the outside of the round part, you want the stairway curving up to the right. But if your stairway is on the inside, then you want the stairway curving to the left so that if you're upstairs defending, you want to have your right hand free and your left hand against the wall. Okay. Okay. Very good. And then the other thing they used to do, which I know this will just totally intrigue you, is uh, they had, I, I forget what they call these holes above the, the gate, you know, Toilet, like the moat. Toilets? <laughs> well, toilets? yeah, that's, that's basically when the when the uh, the uh, defenders were inside the castle, uh, they would have boiling oil, like sure. ready for these people. And sure. there was hole, and there was holes for that purpose up above the you know the draw gate right and so so if the uh, if the attackers managed to get that far they there was people upstairs waiting to pour boiling oil on them absolutely but they had to know the attackers were coming so they had to get that oil boiling <laughs> yeah. probably a couple yeah. of days ahead of time hold on guys we haven't got the oil hot yet <laughs> yeah we need hotter oil that's they're just going to laugh at us if we, well you remember uh, Monty Python and the Holy oh, Grail yeah, yeah. they were they were using uh, trebuchets to fling dead animals over the side and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Run away, run away. Yeah. But, I've but, had worse. I've had worse. <laughs> but all of those things came to a screeching halt with the invention of the cannon. That they made, did. That meant the attackers could just stand back out of uh, the range of all the boiling oil and the uh, uh, not have to cross the moat and just uh, fling rocks and, you know, iron balls at the uh, castle until it was yep. a pile of rubble. Yep, like, you got just like it. My ancestral castle, I have two ancestors that participated in the conquest of England. One was named William uh, the Conqueror, or William the Bastard, as some of his some contemporaries called him. And the other was a duke named Bataia, B-A-T-T-I-A-L-E was the French name, and there's a town there, and there is a the ruins of a castle that I'm sure was pummeled into dust by uh, attacking artillery. But uh, my cousin with the maiden name of uh, the anglicized or the American version is B-A-T-T-A-I-L-E, and uh, she went to that village and showed a shopkeeper her driver's license with her middle name, uh, her maiden name on it, and the shopkeeper said, "Uh uh-oh, my God, stay right here, and she went out, gave the cry to the town, and all the, you know, shopkeepers and residents within earshot came in. They wound up having a parade for her. She was like an American hero turning from oh my god that's cool she was like queen for a day the whole village bade her goodbye they fed her and and uh she was uh surprised at how they responded to the um to the uh, uh american who showed up who happened to be named you know descended from their original uh duke or baron or whoever had built the castle and done all that so well that's cool so we carry, we name children, uh, you know, middle name is Battle, and we uh, carry that forward because it's been traced back to William the Conqueror. So that's something like a thousand years from from uh, our present day time when he that's uh, awesome. grew to that's fame. That's really awesome. That's really awesome. Well, you know, we probably ought to get down to business. I, yep. I, told, you, I told you I would warn you when we were going to get down to business, but... We're not going to talk about it now, but you mentioned that we might get into monkeypox today. Well, so I'm I, looking. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to plow right through to the monkeypox entry. What I've got is two articles here that have uh, 
cross purposes. The first article is written by a guy who is a very uh, trepidatious uh, resident, I think, in California. And his headline is, The Time Has Come for DIY, for do-it-yourself mandates on COVID. And what he's saying here is that he's so afraid of COVID that it doesn't matter if the mandates are official uh, imposed by uh, governments or not, uh, that everybody should be mandating them their own behavior just to protect society. So I just highlighted a few of the statements he makes with which, you know, for the most part, I'm not going to be in agreement. He says, here we are in the grip of yet another COVID-19 surge, yet most people I see out and about are behaving as if the pandemic is over. And I live in Los Angeles County, whose public health department is arguably one of the most vigilant and proactive in the U.S. We all have pandemic uh, fatigue. Even people who should know better have let precautionary measures slide. And if you're sensing a mea culpa on its way, he says, I won't disappoint. I confess I've been far less cautious over the past couple of months than I was earlier on. I have left home without a mask. This is horrifying. These are pearl-clutching uh, skirt grasping uh, admissions he's making here. I have left home without a mask on a trip to the grocery store or pharmacy. And instead of returning home to get one, I've walked in unmasked, telling myself I would be there for only a short time. What a sissy pants. In June, I took a 12-hour transatlantic flight on which virtually no passengers or crew members were masked. <gasps> Horror of horrors. I wore my mask initially, a snug-fitting KN95, but after eating, I kind of sort of forgot to put it back on. In July, with COVID clearly surging, I hosted a birthday party for my daughter without asking guests to test themselves before coming to the house. And there's more where that came from. And this guy and I, as you uh, regular listeners of this podcast can tell, he and I are not on the same page. He says, I didn't actually violate any rules in the situations I described above because none were in place. Public mandates, such as masking and requiring that people be vaccinated to enter restaurants, gyms, and other indoor venues, have been so bitterly politicized. Uh, I don't know what politics he subscribes to. Uh, they've been bitterly politicized and uh, returning to them now, especially in an election year, would be like trying to cram a genie back in the bottle. I think that many of us are coming to terms with a future that keeping COVID at bay will hinge on personal responsibility. Hence the DIY mandates that he's talking about. Do it yourself. He says, let's face it, COVID is with us for the foreseeable future, and we can only speculate about other variants that might blindside us down the road, or how many times we can chance reinfection without risking lasting damage to our health. Given this inconvenient truth, now is an excellent time to adopt everyday habits that reduce our risk of contagion, and not just from a crowd. I'm bouncing around in this uh, article. I'm not giving you every dull, boring thought that comes out of his brain. Um, let's see. If a starting point for developing your COVID defensive strategy is determining how much transmission is happening in your community, you can uh, uh, go to the CDC webpage, which will show you which category your county is in. You can also follow your local health department on social media. That sounds like a fun time. Another good measure is purely anecdotal. If you know a lot of people right now who have COVID, it means there's a lot of COVID. 
I know of at least 10 people, both friends and professional contacts, who have been infected the last few weeks, all vaccinated and boosted. And that has set off the alarm bells I needed to reacquaint myself with the basic features. Oh, basic safety measures. Among the basic safety measures, he's saying, wear a mask in indoor public spaces and crowded outdoor ones. If you are at high risk of serious illness, avoid those places and find alternatives such as curbside pickup and home delivery. If you want to host a dinner party, ask guests to take a rapid home test before they come over. I don't think so. That's that's going to, you know, I'm just going to say, cross me off your guest list, buddy. If you are taking an airplane, put on a mask at the moment you enter the airport, and at a minimum, keep it on until the plane is in the air, and then again when you land. If you test positive, follow these guidelines. Isolate from people for at least five days after your first symptoms or a positive test result. You can end isolation after the fifth day if you have had a negative test and no fever, and your symptoms are improving. If you're one of those people who don't worry about COVID because you don't believe it will make you terribly sick, remember this. The course of the illness can still be highly unpredictable and includes some chance of ending up with long COVID, which can leave you with leave you with brain fog, shortness of breath, and heart damage. All right, so I, I threw that last paragraph in there just out of fairness for the author because he's all scared. And then I have an article from America's Frontline Doctors. This is a conservative group that I believe has a more realistic take on it, that these this uh, COVID infection, wherever it came from, has been used as a tool by the little Hitlers in our political establishment to try to clamp down with uh, additional power over the population. So... Uh, they go on to say, uh, they're talking about monkeypox here. As suspected, the corrupt global leaders working side by side with the World Health Organization aren't missing a beat in their quest for a perpetual worldwide pandemic. They want a worldwide perpetual pandemic. Regarding the decision to declare the global emergency, uh, mainstream media reported that the uh, monkeypox is like a a big problem. Let's see. I'm trying to skip over the boring paragraphs. This is proof of what we have stated before. This is America's frontline doctors talking. Um, we have stated before global leaders have been preparing for the next pandemic and the one after that. If everything goes according to pan, uh, plan, COVID theater will now morph into monkeypox theater. Uh, Marburg, Marburg virus. Oh, Marburg virus theater is currently being developed in the background. So there's a Marburg virus coming our way. <laughs> That's great to hear. You most likely will also be hearing about Ebola, a disease that presents similarly, similarly to Marburg. We expect to report more specifically on Marburg virus appearance and the preparations very soon. In the meantime, remember, we the people are awake and we see them working in the dark shadows. So I think We the People is like another affiliated organization. But I'm I'm reading an article with the headline written by America's Frontline Doctors. Uh, the the uh, headline of the article says, Do not lock down, do not inoculate, inoculate, and do not fear. That's what attracted me to actually read this article. So then it goes on to say, what is monkeypox? Monkeypox is a variant of of the smallpox virus and is not new. 
The first recorded case of monkeypox was in 1970, and we have been living with this virus in existence for decades. This virus was not a threat to us then, and it's not a threat to us now. As of right now, the virus is only spread through direct contact with an infected person's respiratory secretions or other bodily fluids. This is not an airborne virus, and it's rarely ever fatal. The CDC currently claims that asymptomatic people cannot spread the virus. As of right now, it appears that most people who have reported getting monkeypox have gotten it from someone they had sexual contact with. The best thing you can do to protect yourself and your family is to avoid sexual contact with strangers or people who could be affected and turn off the propaganda on your television. As we have seen with the COVID panic, I hate that word pandemic. I'm, I say panic. The COVID panic, uh, the information listed on the CDC website is subject to constant change to fit their narrative. We, as always, will monitor the situation on all fronts. We as the uh, America's frontline doctors, by the way, they will monitor the situation on all fronts moving forward. We are here to assure the American people that monkeypox is nothing to worry about. You don't need a vaccine to protect you. We must stand strong against this and any other disease the World Health Organization attempts to label as a threat. We know the true threat, and it is not disease or panic. Unite and stand strong is the next section of this article. In the past two and a half years, we have seen the tyranny that will ensue if we submit to this declared emergency. And the next one after that, we should be very concerned, but not about any viruses. These declarations of emergency are always uh, always precede the next wave of tyranny. This is your reminder. Regardless of what virus they push, regardless of the propaganda they spread, we must not fear, we must not lock down, and we must not be bullied into inoculation. Our medical freedom colleagues at Truth for Health Foundation, that's www.truthforhealth.org, they have already prepared and just updated a helpful fact sheet and treatment guide on both monkeypox and Marburg virus slash Ebola, which is hemorrhagic fever viruses. Organizations like AFLDS, that's America's Frontline Doctors, and Truth for Health Foundation are in the same war against evil tyrants, and we appreciate the opportunity to share these materials with our constituents. That website, again, is www.truthforhealth.org. So there are emerging biological terror threats. The key is not to panic, but to have a rational strategy on how to deal with it. That's a three-step strategy they share with us here. One, don't trust anything the World Health Organization, the AMA, the CDC, the FDA, or NIH say. NIH is uh, National Institutes of Health. I suggest doing the exact opposite. They have consistently proven themselves to be the enemies of the people. Number two, understand that all COVID-19 strains, flu, RSV, Marburg, and Ebola are single-stranded RNA viruses that use similar pathways for replication. They use RNA-dependent RNA polymers, or polymerase, RDRP, to make copies of their genome. All right, we're getting kind of deep in the weeds here. The third is zinc inhibits these uh, activities, and so uh, zinc would be apparently an effective uh, preventive treatment. 
there are long lonophones that help zinc enter cells. So I don't know. But the uh, bottom line in this article is, above all, resist fear. So this is an article from America's Frontline Doctors, and I think it has as much validity as uh, anything written by the panic mongers out there and uh, the, the tyrants that want to lock down society once again. Um, oh, and speaking of that, on a related uh, uh, front, I am going to be a guest on uh, Little Joe's Conservative Corner podcast at some point. So I'm guessing that Little Joe, if he listens to any of these podcast episodes, is going to be particularly interested in this. He may ask me a little bit more about it for his audience's benefit. So anyway, back to you, Randy. I, you know, I found all of that interesting, very interesting, because I was, as I mentioned early on before we started recording today, uh-huh. That I just so happened to do some monkey pox research. Yeah. Are you sure you don't just do that for entertainment? <laughs> well, I after all you had to discuss there and all, all the interesting reading I did before the podcast, I came up with one kind of a title statement for this whole thing. Lay it on me. Keep your monkey at home. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's that's gonna do a lot to help everybody. <laughs> yeah i saw oh, it coming dear. i saw it coming early in 2020 and i didn't like it and uh it just got worse and worse and worse i keep hearing about a restaurant in pasadena california that um, when the state of california said outside dining is where it's at they prepared an outside dining space and then when their town said "Nah, we don't even like you being open outside the town they they violated or they defied the uh, local regulations, and the town sent in the Gestapo to shut them down. They built a fence around the building, put up gates. Uh, it was, uh, it's still in the courts. I don't know how long it's going to take for adjudication, but this family was driven into bankruptcy because the local constabulary were, they had their little feelings hurt because their order was not um, obeyed. In other words, when they snapped their fingers, nobody jumped, and that bothered them a lot. So they took stringent uh, measures to shut this business down and drive them out of uh, out of operation. So I'm hoping they get their comeuppance in a big way, but justice the wheels of justice move slowly, as we know. Yes, yes they do. Well, you know, did you say on monkeypox that it's a derivative of chickenpox? No, uh, it was a derivative of smallpox. Smallpox. Okay. That's what this article said. That, you know, okay. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a frontline doctor or even a rearline doctor, but I, <laughs> I was quoting uh, the America's frontline doctors in that uh, in that uh, observation that it's been with us since 1970. It's yeah. rarely fatal. It's uh, never been a problem, and it's closely related to the smallpox, uh, you know, whatever uh, virus. Yeah. Well, you know, before we started recording, I was—I told you I was looking at the distribution map of, of monkeypox reported cases. Right. And keep in mind that California has, you know, the governor of California has declared a monkeypox, you know, we're going to die from monkeypox. Sure. And, mask uh, up again. Mask up, everybody. Mask up. Well, I don't know where to how to wear a mask on where they're getting <laughs> this stuff at, but uh Bottom line is there's only in the whole state of California, there's, uh, oh, I don't know. There, I mean, there was less than 10,000. Okay. And you, if you wanted to count, you know, noses, 
you could say there was probably 12,000 people who had a cold or had the, the flu or some other freaking thing in California. But I don't think it's going to turn into a statewide uh, problem. But boy, I'll tell you, they love the control. Yeah, and they will turn it into a statewide problem if they can scare enough people like the guy that wrote the first article. Oh, we got to mask up. Do it yourself. If if they don't tell you to do it, you still got to do it yourself. And ask your guests to test themselves. Oh, yeah, geez. how's that going to work for us? Yeah, Come on not... over for a barbecue, but show me your pos- or your negative test first. No, thanks. I'll go right. to McDonald's. Yep, there you go. I'd rather not associate with you if that's the uh, price I have to pay. That's, I don't want to be I don't want to be considered to be that stupid. Well, too late. They do think you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, we need to sign off here because we have used up all our fuel, all our time. And I, by the way, I need another cup of coffee. So that's right, well, that's that's my emergency. Let, let's get down to the important things then. And uh, yeah, say goodbye let's, let's, to the audience. Yeah, well, let me. there's a few things I always do to close off. Uh, you know, write Doug some email. He's he's really just sitting on one foot than the other up in his uh, fortress of solitude right outside Cave Creek, wanting some email. So send him some notes at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. As he mentioned early in the recording, paperback is out 2022. Green numbers, Medicare for the lazy man, simplest and easiest guide ever. You can get uh, the audio on Amazon. You can get the Kindle, which is the electronic version on Amazon. Or, by the way, you can also go to Barnes & Noble and get some co- a color version. Yeah, that's still yes, there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Color. Yeah, it, so, turns out, it turns out color is less important to people than saving a few bucks. So, yeah. That's uh, the the color one is not moving as quickly as the Amazon versions are. Also, Amazon draws a larger reader audience, I believe. Yeah, but there is a hardcover version in Amazon, right? Yeah, people are buying that. I think for presents because it'll fit very nicely into your average Christmas stocking. So I think those early shoppers are buying the oh, hardcover version. Boy, if I knew somebody I could get one of those from, I'd be in good shape. Um, well, next next time I may turn that into a collector's <laughs> item by uh, by adding color to it, color illustrations, and then oh uh, that would gosh. that would be that a would really be valuable. Awesome. Yeah, that I know. Would be awesome. Too bad well, every anyway, time I give you one, you give it away to somebody, and <laughs> well, that's because they're so hot, hard to get, <laughs> hot stuff. Well, anyway, thank you all for joining us. We love it when you do because you could have been a lot of other places doing a lot of other things, but you weren't. You were here with us. Loyal, loyal listeners, thank you so much. We have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, now residing in his fortress of solitude up in the high mountains behind Cave Creek, Arizona. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>